welcome our new sponsor to the Man at 50 podcast, Scars and Stripes Coffee Company. They empower veterans to build their own business using their e-commerce platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran, and your purchase directly impacts the men and women who have served our country. Do more than say, thank you for your service. Order today and empower a veteran. Use vet code Brad Richard at scarsandstripescoffee.com. That's scarsandstripescoffee.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Man at 50 podcast. I'm your host, S. Richard, author of the book, Man at 50, A Journey of Crisis, Revelation, and Survival. So let's get started on the Man at 50 podcast, a podcast that is for you, your little person within you, your hopes, your dreams, and hopefully a new plan for the future. Welcome back, everybody, to the Man at 50 podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard. And for this episode, episode 32, we have a special guest on with us. All of our guests are special, but this one is extra special. She is, uh, she is an author and uh, a radio show podcast host herself out of Dallas, Texas. And uh, we are going to speak today with Dr. Elise Cortez. Um, she is a purpose engagement catalyst speaker, consultant, researcher, and like I said, a published author. And she is with Something or Other Publishing. I have also featured some previous authors from Something or Other Publishing in uh, past episodes. And so uh, we are glad to have her uh, with us. Uh, her career in human capital, and that's interesting, she's going to have to explain what human capital is, and organizational excellence spans more than 20 years and she has a book coming out in november a new book called purpose ignited so welcome elise uh welcome to the man at 50 podcast how are you today hi brad i'm great thank you so much for having me it is so nice to be on the other end of the mic <laughs> yes you'll have to tell us about your podcast as well um it's great to have you here and uh basically our first our first uh, half will be a little bit about you, what you've done in the past, what you're currently doing now. And in our second half, I want to kind of get into your book, um, just so people kind of give them a teaser, uh, give them kind of a verbal trailer. Uh, so we get them to go to Amazon and buy it when it, when it comes out in November. So uh, that's kind of the game plan. So um, right away, right off the bat, can you explain to me and my listeners human capital? <laughs> what, what, what exactly is that? So, Great question, Brad. Um, it's so funny, you know, at working in the space, I take it for granted that any, everybody else doesn't immediately know what that means. But essentially what it really gets to is the human factor at work, right? So that's the human being that actually powers the work that's getting done in the first place. And that person, of course, has a heart, a soul, a set of emotions, a set of ambitions and aspirations. And so how organizations take care and tend that human capital, that human person, personal being, is pretty important to its success and their livelihood and fulfillment. So I've just devoted the last 20 years to first recruiting those, that talent into various roles. That's how I started human capital was in a recruitment fashion or function. And then I it moved on into learning and development. So I, I thought was, well, once people are in a job, 
I got tired of just getting them new, new jobs. I wanted to develop them once they were in a job. So then that be became skill acquisition, learning important skills like conflict management and you know, things like that. From there, I went into employee engagement, employee engagement and assessments and helped organizations understand how, to what extent their, their people were engaged and what, what, what could they do to improve that. And then from there, leadership development and then organizational development. So the, what they, they all have in common, Brad, is the human element, the person that's actually at the, at the helm. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a mouthful. <laughs> we could probably do an episode just on that alone. But um, yeah, that's, um, that's so interesting. And because, you know, my podcast focuses on the individual and the, the individual light spark, uh, you know, and, and my thing is their childhood and taking people back to their childhood and, and reconnecting with their dreams and their goals, um, especially if they're off track, if, if they're doing something that they completely never thought they would be doing. And it's like, you know, I never really wanted to do this. I always wanted to do something else. Um, is that what you're talking about as far as employees and, and the people that are working with companies? Do you go in with uh, the company training department and try to kind of tap into the resources of their people and how the companies can tap into each individual? Because everyone's different. Everyone, you know, is motivated by something different. Is that what you try to do as far as as far as that goes? Yeah, to a certain extent, Brad, that's right. Yes. And so I do a lot of work both with leaders inside organizations. Maybe they're the head of IT or the head of sales or the head of marketing. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not usually just HR or human resources that hires me, but an organization that one wants to improve its performance of how do they actually meet the, the goals of their organization, that's their revenue and maybe innovating new products. Sometimes what that means is they need to be able to develop more trust in the teams, better right. cohesion the teams, better communication amongst the team members. But more often than not, what I really care about is helping organizations to develop purpose-driven leaders and meaning-infused cultures. So what we know today, Brad, is that we live in the purpose economy. Aaron Hurst, the, the author, taught us that starting at least 2008, we now have stepped into the purpose economy. And what that means is people want meaning and purpose everywhere across their lives, and certainly in the work that they do. Right. So the that are winning are the ones that have learned how to be able to help their individual employees, one, understand their own unique greatness, help them grow into that. That's what best leaders do. And two, to create an environment that is conducive to fulfillment, meaningful connection, contribution, growth, development, um, and that they understand their role in the organization and how it, it stewards and, and, and forwards the organization forward. So when they can understand their own unique role, and why it matters in the organization and, and its success, that is meaningful and fulfilling to them and extremely motivating. So a lot of the work that I do is helping organizations and leaders presence and create that kind of environment. Really, really tap into or gain, gain a better understanding of their individual employees and, and giving them what they need so that the employee in return can provide their strength back to the team. So that Beautiful the company thing. moves forward and the individuals move forward as well. Okay. Absolutely right. Yeah. Cool. That's that. That has to be a very difficult concert to uh, conduct or, or to try to you know put together. Uh, I've the companies that I've worked for in my life, uh, they were not they were not people centered at all. 
they, they were company centered and you were, you were there and you produced for that company, but you were not, you, you weren't an element of the company. That wasn't something that they focused on. And are you seeing that kind of change as we go forward? I am, Brad. In fact, one of the things that I write about in my book is the last, there's nine chapters in the book. It's called Purpose Ignited, How Inspirational Leaders Unleash Passion and Elevate Cause. And so the first six chapters are really getting you fit for life and leadership. So we start with meaning in one, in one chapter and we, we finish that first part with, with purpose. Um, and then the last chapter of the book, I'm focused on what it is to do business in a, in a conscious capitalistic way. So I, I, I'm of the belief that capitalism is the best system that produces the best results in terms of making the world go around and we can do a much better job of stewarding it for the better, wherein all stakeholders are served, not just the shareholders. So there's, a, there's more and more strength coming around that concept. It's called stakeholder capitalism now. So that I'm already seeing as being embraced more frequently all over the world. And then just this last week, I had on my radio show, my radio show is called Working on Purpose, and I've been hosting it for five and a half years. Um, I had on a gentleman named Bob Chapman, who is the CEO and chairman of the board of a company called Barry Weymiller. And they practice what's called truly human leadership. And from that vantage point, Brad, what, and this is, a, this is again something that's being embraced by many other companies as well. That is a stance that has leaders look and see each team member as someone's precious child, that your job is to steward their best life and give them the best opportunity of realizing their own best potential. Wow. Think about how much difference the world would be if, if more leaders took that approach versus how much more can I get out of Brad to make him work harder and longer and pay him less? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Consider the, the contrast there of <laughs> approaches. Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that's, uh, I think that's kind of unheard of, uh, but uh, it's obviously becoming more, more important. From an individual standpoint, um, as employees, uh, I'm kind of an entrepreneurial free enterprise guy. So, uh, you know, my take is, is I think everyone should be a business owner, <laughs> you know, and not work for someone else. That's just my perspective. But, um, you know, people listening to the podcast, if they are working for a company, on an individual basis, what should a man or a woman who's working for a company and they feel like they're not getting any attention, personal attention from that, from that company, what can they do? What steps can they take? Things can, what things can they ask for uh, to, to try to make things better in, you know, in their jobs or in their careers if they're not getting what you are teaching companies to give? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I literally, just before I got on with you, I was just finishing a, a coaching call with a, with a woman that I've been coaching for the last several months. And we have had a very similar kind of conversation and okay. that explained that tomorrow she was going in for her performance review. She'd never been through one before. What should she expect? She wants to ask for a raise. How does she go about that? So if ladies and gentlemen, if you're one of those people that works for a company that is not practicing truly human leadership like Bob Chapman is, the first thing that you can do is to have a, a, a very genuine warm and respectful conversation with your manager and say something to the effect of, you know, I joined this company because whatever you believe in, I want to be here because whatever, whatever reason. So start with, you know, why you're here and that you're committed and you want to, you want to do something important for the organization. And then explain, I, I've come to understand that 
when I look at how other companies are, are stewarding their talent, I don't notice that we're, we've got the same treatment here. And I would like to be of higher service to you. I'd like to be able to develop more skills. I'd like to make a bigger contribution here. And I, I, I think we need to open a conversation about what that looks like. How can we envelop more training in this organization? How can I be a greater service? That would be the kind of conversation that, that, that I would like to have. And so that's a way to open that conversation. Now, depending on how the person responds to that favorably or unfavorably, it decides what you're going to do next. Um, I, but first, you know, you are the one, you are responsible, ladies and gentlemen, for your own life and your own career. And, and so taking the reins of your career and owning its direction is one, incredibly empowering, and two, nobody does it better than you. Mm -hmm. would, would you suggest that if an individual is in a job or in a career that is, that is really or completely different from what they really want to be doing, would you suggest that they stay there and try to work on what they really want to do outside of work, or should they look for a different career with a different company that is closer to what they're needing and what they want out of life? You see what I'm saying? You know, more in, in line with, with what they're wanting. Let me make sure I understand the question, Brad. So you want you want me to address if somebody is in a, a, a working in a, a current role that is not what they really want to be doing, should they then try to develop the other role outside the company or just go off off someplace to try to pursue it directly? Is that the question? Pursue it with another company that is more in line with their goals and dreams. Okay. It's it's me, the it's the stuck, it's that's it's the stuck in a job or career that we really hate and we really it's not what we want to do, but you know, we'd rather do something else. Um, and, and that's just, there's so many people that I've, that I talk to that it's like, I really want to do this, but I can't leave this company and I'm getting nothing from the company, but a paycheck, mm -hmm. but I, but I live and breathe and dream and sleep about, you know, when I'm, I'm sleeping, I'm thinking about doing this. Okay. All right, so let me, stat, let me back up and start with something I say very, very frequently when I'm out speaking to audiences. And I do this both through my company, Elise Cortez & Associates, where I'm Chief Purpose Officer and I am Chief Ignition Officer at Gusto Now. So I do a lot of speaking for both those organizations. And I very, very often talk to audiences, Brad, and I start with the, the, the question, what will you do with your one precious life? Uh -huh. We get one. And, and then, then I go on and I talk about how part of the reason that purpose works in our lives is because we do not know our expiration date and when it's coming. We don't know how many days we get on the planet. So part of the reason that purpose works is it gives us a sense of urgency to fulfill on our life and its potential while we're here. So I always like to remind audience of that, audiences of that because we forget. You know, we, we get through that. Through the, we find ourselves on the hamster wheel of life. And before we know it, we're just going through the motions. And just like you said, we're showing up work every day. We're collecting our paycheck and we're hating ourselves and we're not going for our dreams, but we feel disempowered and unable to run after them. And so my job in part is to remind you that you can. And so first we have to recognize that we do live in an economic world. And so what I would not advise you to do is just jump off the cliff and say, well, I'm going to go pursue my dreams and my love and my passion because you do need to make money as well to pay, pay your mortgage and procure food, et cetera. So um, what I would always say, in fact, just last night I had a conversation with a friend who is a fantastic artist 
but he works in a, in a sales capacity because he's really good at it and he makes good money at it. But his heart, his soul is connected to his craft of art. Exactly. I was saying, you know, you've got to find your way back to that somehow, some way. If that means reducing your living expenses, so you don't have to make as much money. Maybe you bring in somebody who rents a room out of your house to reduce that, whatever it takes. You start getting creative about finding ways to reduce what it takes to uh, bring in a living to, so that you do have less money to make there. And then at the same time, definitely on the side, cultivate those passions and those interests and so that you can either continue developing them or find other ways to put them to use in the world. And I got to say something really quick about that if I can. But you want to, before I go into what I'm going to say to you about passion, do you want, did you want to say anything to what I just said? Uh, I think it's, I think it's right on. And I think that story is, it, it kind of ties in to previous episodes and conversations I've had with other people. Um, you know, th that, that example that you gave, that's where his heart's at. And he needs to make that a very important part of his life, irregardless if, if it's not something he can tie into his sales position, it still needs to be a part of his life, you know, maybe equally. Uh, so he doesn't lose that or, you know, for him, maybe it may be, uh, maybe his artwork can, could possibly be part of his sales tools. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of different creative ways to do that. But uh, that example was exactly where my, where I was going with the question. So you nailed it. And that was exactly what kind of what I was looking for that tie in. So it, that's okay. great. <laughs> so I'll, I'll share one more thing and extend it a little bit further here, Brad Forrest. So um, first a story, and then I'm going to share what I, what's underneath it. When my daughter, who's now 17 years old, was like five or six years old, her dad and her having a conversation and he said something to the effect of, Gabby can be anything she wants to be in life, as long as she is an, an accountant or an investment banker. He is a financial consultant. And I said, ah, oh, you know, I really don't think that's probably very prudent for her. I mean, have you met her? This kid is the kid that opens the back door of the patio out, walks through the, the back door and takes in a deep breath. And she says, Ma, do you smell that breeze? This is, this is a, a girl who's connected to her senses. And I said, how about we do this instead? How about we really look to discover this young person we brought into the world and see what really matters to her, who she really is at her core, and help her find a way to make that work in the world. And he said, sounds dumb, but to his credit, he went through with it. And we discovered very quickly that she said she wanted to be a chef. So we supported that, no surprise. So the point being is, right, we're gonna do well in the world that the, when we put ourselves into something that we're passionate about because we're gonna give more effort, we're gonna work harder, we're gonna, we're gonna want to express more of our, of our person through that. And that's how we get successful. And that's frankly how we, we earn a good living. So um, she had intrinsic motivation out the, the wazoo on that. Nobody ever had to tell her to go cook. Nobody, I, we wouldn't have to pay her. She did it because she loved it. So that's the importance of finding work and doing something that you're really passionate about. So now why is passion important? So one of the other cool things that I get to do in life is I'm a, what's called a logotherapist. Um, and that comes from Viktor Frankl's um, school through existential psychology. And it's really the idea, the whole premise, Brad, is that through logotherapy, we recognize that our principal concern in life as human beings is meaning. Why meaning? Because it's our ultimate source of energy. So according to logotherapy, there are three sources of, of meaning in our lives. The first, according to Dr. Frankl, is um, our, our creations, what we give of ourselves to the world. 
And so when we get present to that, that we're giving something important of ourselves to the world, that's energizing to us. And I call that passion. So when we give something of ourselves to the world, that's our passion. The second source of energy available to us is, is experiential. And that is the encounters and the experiences that we have in life that literally breathe life into us. If you, the actual Latin root of inspiration is inspurger, which means to breathe into. So you can think of those experiences as breathing life into you. So when we witness someone giving their passion, it's usually very inspiring. So they're giving their, their, their passion, which is energizing to them. You're witnessing it is energizing to you, and it's a virtuous cycle. Um, the third source of, of, of meaning is, um, is attitudinal. And what that gets to is that we have the freedom to choose as individuals our stance and our attitude to any fate that we face in life, no matter what it is. We always have the freedom to choose that attitude. And in so doing, there's meaning available to us in it. And as others watch us take that stance, they then therefore can be inspired to pursue something similar. So this whole notion of pursuing your passion is so important because it's your source of energy. That's a, a huge reason why I would tell anybody who's listening to this, if you're not doing what you absolutely love at work, do it at least on the side because you get energy out of that. Mm -hmm. to, to get you through those work days that you may not enjoy very much. Absolutely right. Okay. Yeah, those are, that's, that's gold. That's excellent. Um, that, that's really good information. Um, th those three things, I, I probably won't remember those, but uh, th there, there are three really important points. And as far as the energy uh, aspect, uh, that was number two, right? The energy? Uh, all of them are sources. Of, so meaning is, there are three sources of meaning and they all energize us. All energize us. Okay, gotcha. Um, for me, I'm one of these people that, um, you know, and I, I miss being in front of crowds because that's what energizes me. Mm -hmm. And, and some people, uh, uh, solitude, quietness, you know, a little me time is what energizes them, but I can't, I, I can't do that. You know, that's, that's, that'll drain my energy if I spend too much time by myself. And so, um, you know, with that being said, I think each person has to decide for themselves um, which way they want to go with that. If they, if they need more social interaction or they need more uh, me time, you know, cause we all get energized in different ways, obviously. Um, and uh, if I had to guess, are you, are you a solitude person? I'm quite, um, I'm fairly balanced. I'm more extroverted than I am introverted uh, oh. along the spectrum. Um, but I do gain a lot like you. I get a lot of my energy by being in front of crowds. I love presenting to and with crowds. Uh, but I also have come as I, as I matured to recognize how much I need my own solitude, my own time. So I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a decent balance. Yeah, I, I think the more you give to others, the more time you need to, your, to yourself. Mm. Just <laughs> you have to kind of cut the cord sometimes and go, I've, I've got to recharge before I can put any more out, you know, and, and so I, I get that for sure. Um, now, do you, when you speak, uh, speaking of like, you know, speaking in front of crowds, are, are you speaking to um, companies and their leadership or are you speaking to the employees of companies? Good question. Uh, it varies tremendously on who brings me in. And most of the time I'm being, I'm paid as a speaker. Sometimes I share my expertise because I love it and there's no budget. 
but so oftentimes I'm speaking to a conference of, of industry like-minded people, or maybe it's an association or an organization that are, a group of people have come together and want an, an inspirational message. Uh, I do speak to organizations. In fact, because my book is coming out in November, already I'm starting to get some requests to have me come and, and speak to um, employees inside organizations um, and help share the message in the book as sort of a, a primer or a, 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 an appetizer, if you will, of the book and to help them better get access to it before they actually can read it. So um, probably one of my favorite experiences was being asked to come to speak to a, a human resource conference in Malaysia on strengths and strengths wow. leadership. That was so fun and so cool. But yeah, it, it, I, I go pretty much anywhere anybody wants me. If, they, if, if I can deliver value, I'm there. Mm -hmm. Are you part of, um, now, have you spent any time in any particular unions you know, I mean, as far as like, like specific labor unions where the union is looking out for their members and their well-being and how they're being treated or how they're being taken care of by the companies they work for. Have you spoken with any major like union groups to their members? Does that make sense? I haven't ever spoken to a union group. Um, okay. Early in my career, I was approached to join a union. I was a salesperson at the time, but I don't really have... I'm, have had very little interaction with unions. Okay, okay. Um, some, you know, some of the good unions um, that really have the best interest of their members uh, in the forefront, that's like their number one priority to make sure that their members are getting what they need. Um, I just, I thought maybe that would be a great, great fit for your message as far as, you know, them bringing you in to help their members. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a very novel thought. Thank you for that. I have to have yeah. Just, just a light bulb moment. And then, happy to help them if they want. <laughs> um, uh, I know the teachers' unions could, teachers right now could use a lot of help. Uh, they're really, I, I don't know if they're getting all the support that they need during all this stuff that's going on. And uh, I, I, I saw some statistics nationwide. The percentage, the percentage of teachers and police officers are, are, are dropping dramatically. They're just, that means they're just leaving the field and leaving that, that career choice altogether because they just don't want to deal with it anymore. And they're very unhappy. And that kind of brings us back to what you started to talk about, you know, um, making those tough choices, you know, to move on to something else. So uh, I tell you what, let's go ahead and take our break. And I'm going to do a quick sponsor break and then we'll come back for part two. And when we get back with part two, I want to get uh, a little more in detail about your upcoming book. Um, just kind of a, a teaser, a trailer, because we want people to buy it and look for it in November when it comes out. And what is on the horizon for you? What things are you putting together now? Uh, and where are you going in the future? So we'll cover that when we, when we get back. Uh, we'll be right back, folks. We're just going to take a short little sponsor break, and we'll be back uh, with part two. Dr. Elise Cortez is our guest, and we'll be right back. I want to welcome our latest sponsor to the Man at 50 podcast. The company's name is Pure Green, and they are one of the fastest growing juice and smoothie bar franchises in the U.S. They are taking on health straight on with some fantastic, uh, healthy, delicious products. So I would encourage you to check them out at puregreen.com. That's puregreen.com. 
and um, I am very happy to be uh, associated with the Pierre Green family and very happy uh, that they are a sponsor of the show. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of episode 32. We are talking with Dr. Elise Cortez, and we have been talking about uh, uh, so many things. Um, instead of reviewing, go back and listen to the first half, and we're going to move on with part two. Welcome back, uh, Dr. Cortez. How are you? I'm doing great, Brad. It's great to be with you. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Well, let's um, kind of, you know, we covered uh, many things, many important things in the first part. In this part, let's start off with talking about your first book, full book, that, that you are the sole author of coming out in November, and that's Purpose Ignited. Great title. Tell the listeners a little about, about what they can expect from that book. All right, first, let me back up and share a little bit more context. So we were talking before about, you know, how individuals can be, find themselves in situations where they hate their lives and hate what they're doing for work, et cetera. And so I really wrote Purpose Ignited to turn my, my, my readers on from the inside out, to vitally inspire them from the inside out. Because uh, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, I have been a member of The Walking Dead myself. I, am, I, am, I'm a, I was a card-carrying member. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to not be living the full life that you know that you want for yourself and hate myself for not going for that. So my PhD is in human development. So I studied psychology and sociology. And um, I knew in like 2015 or so that I was not living the life that I really wanted for myself. I was not going for my dreams. I wasn't really just going for the gusto, if you will, in life. And at the end of 2015, I got a present cleverly disguised as a divorce. And I didn't know I didn't know that I, I needed that gift, but it happened to be the best thing for me because it kicked me out of my stupor and my comfort and really kind of forced my hand to create and step into the life that I really wanted for myself. And that's when I finally could go and start to live my purpose. And so um, that's where I really refined my working on purpose radio show. I drafted the book itself. I started a nonprofit called Purpose on Fire, and I created my own leadership program called Finally Inspired because these were all expressions of my purpose and what was important to me and it just turned me on to do all that wow so, yeah Great. so the book is <laughs> is absolutely uh, an expression of what i learned by being a card carrying walking dead member and what it what it took for me to learn how to ignite myself so learning how to get access to your sources of meaning because they're vitalizing so the first chapter is on meaning the importance of getting access to your ultimate energy source so the first six chapters are really designed to invigorate you, to really turn you, to light you on fire, to ignite you, to be able to become the best version of yourself that really becomes somebody who's frankly irresistible to yourself and others. And people want to follow a person like that. That is inspirational leadership at its finest. And so um, the next chapter is on, is, on, is on identity, the importance of really understanding who you are and who you so badly wanna be and what's the difference, how do we make that happen? Um, and so the whole book has exercises in it and has videos for you to look at on my website. I've created worksheets for you to go through. So it's like doing my leadership program, but you're doing it in your own laboratory in your home or your office or whatever. And by the time you finish reading this thing, Brad, you will become a transformed human being. Wherever you are in life, if you're unhappy now, if you do the work and read this book, you will come out of this thing a different, more evolved and happier human being. If you're on a leadership track, you will have, have improved your leadership track. So that's, um, th that could go on about the various chapters that there's always, there's one on passion, there's one on inspiration, there's one on purpose. 
Um, and then of course there's purpose-inspired leadership, purpose-inspired companies. Um, it just is meant to really start with you, the individual, activate you, ignite you, and radiate that contribution, the ripple effect through your team, through your company, and into the world to make a difference worthy of your one precious life. That's wow. what focus. Wow, that's that's a great back cover. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we could, if we could back up just a bit, um, I, and, and like I said. Um, as far as questions go, if I, if I ask a question and you're uncomfortable with, with answering it, you can just pass. But um, I kind of like to get deeper into the heart, you know, with, with the podcast a little bit. Um, going back to the divorce that kind of released you, um, prior to the divorce, do you feel like you as a person were just on hold? Were you tabled? in that relationship completely? Yes, but not because my ex-husband did that to me. He, he didn't have a, f a thumb on me or anything like that. I did that all by myself. I had this idea that you okay. know, to be married, I had to sort of, you know, limit myself in these ways. And I, I felt like I needed to give all my energies to, to that, to that marriage. And I did, I did a lot of extracurricular activities as well, but I was very much feeling like I would, I knew that I was not living to my potential. I hated myself for it and I wasn't really doing anything about it. And the catalyst that let me start on that path was the divorce process because it gave me a clearing to reinvent myself and I no longer had any excuses anymore. Wow. Yeah, that in and of itself is an inspirational story um, because in a situation like that, um, for most people, it's a crisis and, and it's a life-changing experience. Um, and you can go one of two ways with that. You can go south or you can go north and you obviously took it as an opportunity to run, um, run forward. And so that's very encouraging. Uh, one more person. Uh, I did that as well, twice. <laughs> um, and I walked away from a 22 year marriage, um, which was extremely difficult to do. And, uh, and the last 10 years of my second marriage was a co uh, cohabitation. Uh, we, we lived in the same house, but my world was my bedroom and my computer. And that was the extent of my life was just that mm -hmm. one room. And so I can relate to what you're saying. When I made the, the choice and the, and the timing, that the timing had to be right uh, to, to leave that, the world changed dramatically for me as I stepped out, you know, the very next morning, I was like, wow, where do I go from here? Because I, I was used to a certain way and now, you know, life had been completely changed. Uh, and and not, I didn't have any of that stuff, you know, holding me back. So I too exploded <laughs> forward after, after that. So uh, yeah, I can relate to that. I can definitely relate to, uh, you were given a, uh, you were given a gift. So does, does your ex, does your ex-husband, um, is he aware of what you're doing now and the things, I mean, obviously he, he sees what you're doing now. Um, is he happy for you, you know, that, that you've moved forward? I, I, I don't know if he's happy for me and I don't really know that he knows all that I'm up to, but I have certainly expressed my appreciation and thankfulness that he did in the marriage because I told him I would not be living my purpose if, if he hadn't. And, 
um, it was the right call. We were we had grown just like you were talking about into very very distinct human beings, and we were not aligned, and it was not a healthy relationship. And it was I thanked him for having the good sense to let us both free, so we could pursue the lives that we really want. And I did tell him the book was coming out, and he I shared a link with him. It's on Amazon now, um, even though it's not available until November seventeenth. Um, and he said, I appreciate you sharing. I know this has been a long time in the making and good for you. That's great. That's great. And hopefully he's moved on to things, you know, for, for himself. So uh, all's well as ends, all's well as ends well, I guess is what they say. But uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's really powerful. Let, let's go um, beyond the book. Tell us about, now I know that you've done a lot of writing. You have co-authored a couple of books. And tell us about the anthology with something or other publishing that you're involved in. Because you have so much to cover, but we'll try to get in as much as we possibly can. Sure. So a great story behind that. Uh, I was approached by the, the owner of something or other publishing, Wade Franson, last August. And he said, Elise, I've been following what you're doing on the radio show. I love what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to be cur- I'm going to be releasing a series of anthologies next year. And I I want you to, to curate one on women. I don't care what it is, what the focus is, but I want the one to be on women and it should be you. I said, great, I love the idea. Uh, of course, it's gonna be on purpose. So what I, it's called, it's called um, Passionately Striving and Why, an anthology of women who persevere mildly to, per, to, um, to live their purpose. And what I did, Brad, was I, I didn't want it to be a book of a bunch of first world American women who seemed like they've got every resource at hand. Of course, they're living their purpose. I went all over the world and I found women who have identified that they are living their purpose. And I asked them to share their story of how did you discover your purpose? What was it like to go through that process? Give us the real nuts and bolts of it, the good, bad, and the ugly, and the hard, and everything else. And then what's it like for you to live in the world like that when you get to live your, your purpose? And how is the world different or better because of that? So I have about 20 women that are um, part of this anthology and we'll be releasing that anthology early next year. And it has been an, an incredible privilege to get to be the story catcher for them. As the curator, I catch their stories and now I get to help share them with the world. And I, the reason I wanted to do that, Brad, is I wanted to make sure that people understood that purpose works everywhere. It's available to anyone and it works everywhere. And we need it and it's worth working for, it's worth digging for, it's worth persevering for. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, have you found, now I mean you work with men as well, not just women. Yes. Um, and, and something that I've, I've talked to and I've had the discussion uh, with other authors and other people that are doing you know, teaching and training and um, retreats and things like that. Actually, my previous guest uh, on the previous episode, um, she actually has a retreat and she does she she does a whole thing that's just for women. Um, you know, in, in your opinion, do women tend to have more difficulty with their purpose or their passion? Um, based on their husband or boyfriend or the relationship that they're in? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think it's one, it's women. I think it's, I think it's both. I do think in any relationship, I know of plenty of men who are not pursuing their passion because they feel very much like they need to take care of their family and provide a good, good living and such. So they're doing work that earns them a good living, but is not their passion. And right. they feel a sense of responsibility and, even pressure from their family to, to not pursue their passion. 
Um, so I don't think it's you know gender specific and and purpose. I wouldn't say from my experience is more accessible by women than men. Except it's not. It's both men and women need purpose. Um, so it's it's a really important part of life. And in fact, that's a big reason why for me, Brad, I I, I started a, I created a, an online e-learning platform just this fall. It's called Gusto Now because I, I knew that people needed to be able to you know, grab their gusto for what they were up to in life. And they need encouragement, support, resources, tools, and training to do that. And so the reason I called it Gusto Now is because I've lived in Spain and Brazil. I speak Spanish and Portuguese very well. And I wanted to be able to take what I learned from those cultures around zest and meaning and positivity and passion and expression and connection and the languages and bring that back into the curriculum and so the curriculum is various professional development courses for individuals, for companies, and it's also leadership development. And I do it in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. So it lets me fully express what I've been able to accumulate in my life in a meaningful way that lets me reach more people. And frankly, I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for the pandemic. The pandemic shut me in and I needed to find a way to be of relevance and of value. And so like everybody else, I started going online and offering my services on the web. And so now, I have an even greater reach than I did before and an expression in different languages that I wasn't really working in before. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, once again, another crisis, but you know, uh, uh, there's many, many people you included making lemonade out of lemons. So uh, I, I think we're, we're all having to like adapt and, and change. Uh, but it doesn't change the message. It doesn't change the purpose or the reason that we're doing this. Um, you know, that stays the same. It's just, we're doing it in a different way. Um, uh, one question that popped into my head, how important or what's the best way for a man and a woman that are in a relationship to understand each other, each other's purpose and live together, but pursue them separately. Cause that's a, I think that's a really big thing. Um, so could you maybe touch on that just a little bit? Yeah, I appreciate that question profoundly. As a woman who's been divorced now for four, a little over four years, and I've had a couple of relationships, and um, in, what I've really come to see is that it's just so important that you go looking for each other. What I mean by that is go, go looking to understand your partner meaningfully. Who is he or she? What do, what do they fervently want in life? Why is that important to them? And really importantly, how can you help support that? And so what that means is you're going to employ some really tremendous empathic listening. You're, you're listening to understand there is nothing more powerful in the world than when you feel seen by someone that you care about. That person, what I mean by seen is they see you, they understand you, they, they appreciate, they respect and admire you. There is nothing more powerful than that in terms of a connection point. And it takes work. It takes looking for that, um, being available and interested in the other person. Even if you don't care about what they care about, they care about it. So you'd be interested in that. I would tell you that is if, if more couples, including myself, had done that, they would still be together. They would have a much more robust sex yeah. life. This is important. They would be much more committed to each other's dreams and goals. They would enjoy each other's company more. Um, they would be more forgiving and patient. But it takes that looking. It's just, it's so, so important. Mm -hmm. but, but don't understand the other person's passion so well that you ignore your own. Absolutely right. You need, to, you need to start with yourself first and then give the other person the understanding, you know, and, and actually listen and understand where, where they want to go. 
So uh, just to be there, you know, to, I, I've met several people that they understand their partner's passion very well. And they've put their passion on the back burner, you know, to, so that they can understand what the other person wants and support them and help them in any way, get what they want, but they sacrifice theirs. And I think that, you know, it needs to be reversed. Obviously you need to, you need to understand yours first and then you can give that away to somebody else, give that understanding to them. Yeah. So and I, think, uh, I think I love your point. It's so important. And, and as anybody that's, you know, you're a human being, that means that you have your own life. And I would ask that you really stop for a second and just step out of yourself and recognize that whoever you're with has their own needs and their own, their own desires to want to fulfill on their potential as well. So be curious about that. How can I help you? What is it? What do you want? How can I help you get there? I think a lot of people are pretty self-absorbed these days and they didn't, are not considering that their partner actually needs something else and maybe wants something more and that they could actually help even just by listening and, and encouraging. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. Um, this has been one of the episodes, one of, one of the most information dense episodes I think I've had on my podcast. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's inspiring. It's exciting. I know you have so much to share. Um, we're going to, we're, we're getting up towards, you know, the end of, of, uh, part two and the end of the, uh, the podcast. Tell me a little bit more about, uh, you call it gusto. Gusto now. Mm -hmm. Gusto now.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, tell me a little bit about that. And beyond that, tell me what plans and what things you have planned in the future. In other words, um, not necessarily the destination, but where are you heading towards? What, and what do you want to see? Uh, okay, so um, first, uh, listeners, um, you can go to gusto-now.com to, to see that website. Um, and so what's the, the vision behind Gusto Now is that I want to turn the world on. I want more people you know, living with that energy because it's infectious and, and you feel better when you live with that kind of energy. You make a better, in, a better impact in the world when you live, live with that kind of energy. And the world desperately needs us all to be living with passion and working on purpose right now, especially having come through this pandemic. So to the extent that I can activate more souls the way that I needed to be activated some years ago, that's, what, that's my mission. That's what I'm up to. So Gusto Now is, is really a, an e-learning platform for individuals who want to come and, and drink from the well and develop their person and start to step into their shine, as I like to say. It's also a place for organizations to be able to bring and develop their people as well in a group format if they want. And so that thing about learning, right? We, we are going to be alongside artificial intelligence and robotics for the rest of our lives. And the extent that we're constantly developing our person, our, our empathic intelligence, um, our, our relational abilities, those are the things that we need in the world right now alongside technology. So I will always be a stand for developing that in people. So that's kind of like Gusto Now is really, a, it's a training and development platform. But I'm still also a management consultant and I want to be able to impact the, the workforce for the better. I want to be able to help create workforces that people actually want to come to and that they're fulfilled in. They become a better version of themselves as human beings by having been inside the workforce. That's what I stand for as a consultant. And that's where I develop purpose-inspired leaders and meaning-infused cultures. So that happens more on a company sort of vantage point. So that's why I have two distinct um, titles, 
a chief purpose officer at Elise Cortez and Associates, that's management consulting, a chief ignition officer at Gusto Now, and that's really for individuals. Do you, um, there's a trend that, you know, more people are working from home, more companies are allowing them to work from home because they're going, hey, this is kind of cool. I don't have to rent office space, desks, telephones, break rooms, you know, vending machines, parking right. spots. Um, so we are making a transition and there are, are still, you know, corporations out there with large numbers of people. But as the transition occurs and continues, I believe, uh, more and more people working from home and not in the corporate environment. Um, how does that change your mission on the management side, on the consulting side? Mm, great question, Brad. Uh, I am very, very uber aware of the, of the increased importance to find new ways to engender relationship and connection at work. A lot of the reasons that people go to work is for relationship reasons, for social reasons. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't go to work or they wouldn't keep working as long as they do. So now what we see, especially in the pandemic and virtual work environment, is the need for leaders and managers to find new, novel, and creative ways to get their team connected meaningfully to exchanging um, rela in relationships and, and information the way that they used to in the hall, um, and, and, and really creating a workspace that is conducive to people showing up meaningfully and turning their camera on and being part of real conversations, not just sitting and hovering in the back for a, a conference call, but to be in this. And so what that takes, it takes real leadership and real effort, whether you are an individual contributor running a meeting or whether you're a leader who's responsible for a team, it really takes reaching into and bringing up people and trying to find out and, and meeting them where they are for their needs. Like you talked about introversion and extroversion before. Some of these people that are introverted are loving this. Like I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to see people. I, I love, you know, going straight into my little nook and work and the extroverts are going crazy with this, right? They're starved. So organizations are best served to be able to really reevaluate all of their human capital processes and procedures, how they hire, how they train, how they motivate, how, how they evaluate, how they do training and development. Now they have a chance to totally look at all those procedures and, and figure out, oh, wow, we instituted this back in 1984. Hmm, does it still serve us? Probably not. Let's get rid of it, right? So now you have a real chance to completely start over afresh because of the pandemic and the new work uh, environment that we found ourselves in. Do you think it's, do you think it's more difficult for companies to engage their employees, um, especially if they're at home, you know, in their pajamas? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, absolutely, absolutely, I do. Why? Because those same employees are having a run interference with their children, where they're trying to right. their own education. They're trying to take care of maybe Aunt Sally, who's maybe also holed up with them as well in the pandemic. And they are now all sharing the same Wi-Fi connection, so we've got limited bandwidth with, with issues here. Um, and there's a lot of stress going on right now in the workforce. That absolutely, what we're seeing is the well-being instances of people wanting and needing um, mental health and, and well-being um, consultations are skyrocketing. So being able to uh, adapt to this new changing world and to be able to support those employees that are working remotely or virtually against all those other competing forces in their lives right. is, is really essential. Exactly. Okay. And that goes for the employee as well. You know, um, the desire to be engaged and to, to be excited about their job still, 
you know, with all the stuff that they have to deal with outside of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, it's definitely a challenge uh, for everybody. But uh, yeah, I just, I kind of wanted just to, um, you know, kind of end the, the podcast with those questions. They popped into my head. Um, I know there's some difficult times. It sounds like you are putting together some amazing things. Um, do you think in your future, you're going to be more people driven and less organizational driven? Do you think you're going to gravitate more towards, uh, you know, mankind and people more so? Well, I think I already, already am doing that. That my focus is absolutely on humankind, which is why I said I was in human capital. It's just a matter of where do I serve, right? So mm -hmm. um, I'll always be available to individuals on, on Gusto now. And I also do retreats as well, like you were talking about for, oh, cool. for, for people transformation. Uh, but so many people are part of an organization and we need desperately to improve the experience of those organizations. And so I absolutely stand for that because that touches so many people to desert them would be a disservice to mankind, I think. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think the answer to my question was you already are uh, right. people driven. And, uh, but you have to go where the people are at. And so, you know, you, you've tapped into the organizations and the companies that are willing to take your expertise and willing to implement your suggestions to make the lives of their people better. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, the Gusto Now platform certainly serves individuals as well. The book is absolutely written for individuals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and those individuals might lead a, a team of five, 20, 25, 2,500, right? And so what I want is I want to turn each one of those individual people on so they live their best life, they make the best difference they possibly can in the world, and that cascades and ignites a ripple across the globe. That's what I want. The world could use a lot of excited and ignited people for sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, I, I could talk to you for a very long time. You have so much information and so much value. I know the listeners got a tremendous amount of help and inspiration. Um, I want to encourage them to check out your book in November. Uh, we're going to put your links in the show notes so people can connect with you. And um, what's probably the number one uh, destination that you want individuals to connect with you? What, I mean, um, I mean, obviously they're not, you know, individuals aren't going to connect with you as far as organizations and, and companies and things of that nature, unless they're already in a leadership role, but individual people, listeners that are just listening to improve themselves, is it the gusto now? Would that be the best place for them to go to? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the, what I would encourage anyone, any individual, whether you're part of an organization or not, to go to gusto-now.com and, and on, the, on the contact tab, you can subscribe to my newsletter, which means that then you'll know what's on my radio show if you want to listen to that. That's always something that's going to be informational and, and inspirational. You'll learn about any of the programs that are available to individuals and companies, the retreats that are coming up, the storytelling sessions that I do when the book comes out. You can get the book now on Amazon. It's actually sitting on now. You can pre-order it. But to stay, I want you connected to my community. So come in and subscribe to the newsletter. And at some point, I will also um, reenact that online Catch Fire community that you can join as well. And that's for free. Awesome. Um, Elise Cortez, Dr. Elise Cortez, I want to thank you for being on the Man at 50 podcast. One of the most 
informational and valuable episodes I've had on my podcast so far. Thank you for all of the uh, inspiration, being vulnerable, sharing your personal story, uh, and being authentic and just letting people know that you're out there. And uh, folks, you need to reach out and connect with, uh, with Elise. Uh, she has so much to offer you. She wants nothing but the best for you as well as I do. So thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Brad. It was fantastic. Love the conversation. It was, a, it was a great one. Thank you very, very, very much. Folks, we are going to wrap up this episode. Uh, this has been the Man at 50 podcast, and we'll be back uh, next week or the following week with another episode of the podcast. And I'll end the podcast like I always do. Love yourself, take care of your little me, and remember, they are always with you. Love you all. Until next time, bye for now. This has been the Man at 50 podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week for our next episode and our next guest on the show. Visit us on the web at www.bradrichard.net. That's www.bradrichard.net. Until next time, take care.